0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. Zach Barnett, my co-pilot this week from footballscoop.com. Zach, thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast. Notice how I'm just getting right into this flight, my man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Hey man, I've been wanting to have you on for a while and uh i really have enjoyed following uh, footballscoop.com, which you uh ramrod. Is that the correct term, ramrod? Yeah, I think that's that, that's my direction. That's that's on my business card. I'm the ramrodder. But you you know, you're, you you graduate from the University of Texas, so you all you guys, you know, the uh the Longhorns, et cetera, you gotta learn how to drive those steers, right? And my am I am I, I'm right on that too, right?
1: Yeah, you, you don't get a diploma unless you can ride a steer. Hey, r- ironically, uh, my uh
0: my baby brother, Hell, he's sixty-four years old. Tony has a has a weekend farm outside Lagrange, Texas, right outside Lagrange, and he has two Longhorns on it. But one of them, I think, is uh, one of them, I think, is Bear Bryant. He, his nickname is Bear, and the other one's Bryant or something like that. So he's a big oh, Alabama gosh. fan, but but he's got Longhorn in his blood. You see where I'm going with that,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. There's hey. something that seems wrong about Longhorns named after Bear Bryant, but that, that's another yeah, discussion. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I think I got their names wrong, but it doesn't matter. It has some kind
0: of Alabama affiliation. But I digress, my, 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 my surviving brother, Tony. But I digress. Obviously, that's not what I got in this with you about. Man, we're in some strange times right now in regards to the NIL, uh, the transfer portal, and all that kind of rigmarole. But before I get into that with you, because, you know, you've got, like I say, you cover the waterfront when it comes to especially college football stuff going on from coaches' jobs, uh, coaches' vacancies getting filled, to uh, just what's going on with the NCAA, what's not going on with the NCAA, and all that kind of stuff. But before we get into that, you, you had an interesting take this week uh, on the recently held draft. I'm talking about the uh, NFL draft, and where you kind of ranked the, uh, the colleges um, from a point standpoint on – what kind of effective or uh, input draft they had and just kind of fill people in with that. Obviously, you had, Georgia, you had to have Georgia number one because they had 15 guys taken. It seemed like everybody on their defense got taken. Interesting to see how good their defense is going to be this year. <laughs> but yeah. uh, just kind of give people a, like a little insight on that top six because I think Ohio State was number six with only six guys taken. Explain to people how that happened, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, for, for years, I would get frustrated at, you know, it was basically just preschool arithmetic. Well, this team had eight guys t- drafted this team, had seven guys drafted this team had six, so therefore the team with eight had drafted. But the as we all know, the idea of the NFL draft is that the, the picks are not created equally. You know, it's a staircase, and as you go on, it's a, you're a little bit lower, a little bit lower in value. So my, my idea is I finally decided to do something about it, and the grand formula is basically the first pick is worth 250 points. The second pick's worth 249 and 248 and down, down we go. Until the Wait a minute. That's very there. complicated. Now go ahead. Yeah. I, it had to be complicated for a longhorn graduate or it had to be so simple or I couldn't understand it myself. So you run yeah, out, out of you fingers and toes. I know what
0: you're talking about, but go ahead
1: now. Yeah. So eventually, you know, once you get down to late seventh round, like you'd rather have a guy drafted than not, obviously, but is it really that bit great of a accomplishment if your guy's a 258th draft pick? He's not the same as the first draft pick and shouldn't count the same. Yeah. So uh, last year I started doing it. I really wish I'd started, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago, but um, I started with the 20, was it the 2021 draft? Yeah. And did this year's again. And I, you know, each year I'm, I'm interested in the findings like Ohio State. I mean, excuse me, Georgia obviously won the draft for 2,304. I call them selection points. But their draft uh, came in behind, you know, LSU's 2020 draft. And then that, uh, that uh, I think it was the 04 Ohio State class. Yeah. The, the, both of those classes had 14 guys and they had higher selection points because, I mean, I, I think three of Georgia's guys were seventh rounders. So, you know, great that they're drafted, but not really all that valuable in the long green scheme of things. You know, they're coin flip team and make their team out of camp. Yeah. And then, you know, for second place, you know, at, uh, Alabama – had uh, seven picks, but they had 1,366 selection points. You know, I'm I'm scrolling over here to my cheat sheet. I wish I could tell you I had all this stuff memorized. But no, go ahead, but man. I mean, when you have multiple first-rounders, that that's worth more than multiple, you know, even five or six second-rounders. Sure. And then Georgia, uh, Cincinnati, you know, came in third ahead of LSU with, with 10. You know, Cincinnati had 1,302 points. LSU at 10 had 1,185. You know, where I think it gets real interesting is, like, For example, USC had three picks, and Florida had three picks, but but their sandwich around them is Ole Miss with six because their guys were taken higher, and, um, you know, those picks are more valuable, so we value them higher in our system. And so, you know, it's it's nothing groundbreaking. You know, as I wrote in the the original piece announcing it last year, I'm suspicious that I'm even the first person to even think of this because it's such a simple thing, but I think it gives us some good insights not only into – you know, who won this year's draft, but, you know, I think it hel- helps us sell some arguments uh from years past as well.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and, and what's curious about it, like, you know, I had Thayer Munford. I expected Thayer Munford from Ohio State to go anywhere from the fourth to the sixth round. He went in the seventh round. If he'd gone in the sixth, Ohio State would have been fifth on your ranking <laughs> with just six yeah. guys taken, you know, because obviously that run of wide receivers, I thought Jameson Williams – he should have half of his points should have gone to Ohio State, don't you think? I mean,
1: really? Exactly. I mean, yeah. The Texas people were saying, oh, well, USC had Keontae Ingram counted. He yeah. spent three years. That counts for us. We get at least half a point." But yeah, his twelve point or his twelfth pick was what two hundred forty nine points. All those go to Alabama. Yeah. Well, this is this is what's curious to me though. I'm looking at it right
0: now. It's like you took the national champions over the last many last many years going back at least 20 years to the 2002 miami team i'm talking a little bit of the top 10 here the 2020 lSU uh was it's not necessarily their national champions but these are remnants some some of these drafts are remnants of what was those championship teams uh, but the 2020 lSU team has had had four has had 14 draft picks so far for 2383 points number two on that is the 2016. Ohio State draft. I think the the draft, but uh, it was the it was the 2014 and 15 guys. You know, like Joey Bosa, et cetera, were taken in that uh, uh, from the 2014 national championship team. They had 12 draft picks uh, so far with 2,351 points. That's the number two ranked you know team of of teams who have won national championships. And you you know, in the Ohio State the 2004 draft with Ohio State had 14 players taken. For 1999, that's ranked number five, uh, and of course those were remnants of that 2002 national championship team. It's funny, Ohio State, in my opinion, had better teams in 2003 and 2015 than maybe the year before, except they had crap that happened, you know, and kept them from playing for the championship one way or the other. But but I think it's a it's a great way of looking back on some of these programs and seeing just the depth of. Some of those, because you actually call out the uh, the national championship teams in particular. The 2017 Alabama team, uh, overall, over the years that they were eligible for the draft, had 39 players drafted for number one pick, number one in the basically on your rankings. 2001 Miami, 38 players taken. Uh, 2015, Alabama national championship, 34. 2014, Ohio State national championship team. Uh, 30. And uh, those are your top four with the points uh, included. And it does kind of put in perspective uh, the blue bloods, doesn't it, to a certain extent, and who's no longer a blue blood.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had – I think my formula had 2017 Alabama ahead of that one Miami team after yeah. last year. And, and they had – they uh, with a lower number of draft picks. And then this past year, I think they had two guys that were on that team that were still sticking around in 2021 that – put them over uh, the current teams yeah. in terms of the total draft picks. But, I mean, there's 600 points ahead in total points. So it's going to be interesting to follow moving forward if this, if this Georgia team can pass them or you know maybe the 2022 national champion Buckeyes can pass them. You know, I think they've certainly set a, a standard uh, for, for just depth of talent. I mean, I can – you look at that team. I've got them right over here. I mean, you've got – let's see. In the 2018, they had the number 11 pick, the number 13 pick. 22, 26, 93. Then you go to the 2019 draft. They had Quinn Williams went third. Jonah Williams went 11th. Yeah. Josh Jacobs went 20th. Irv Smith went 50th. And then the 2020 draft, you had Tua went fifth. Uh, Jedrick Wells went 10th. Henry Ruggs, 12th. Jerry Judy, 15th. And then 2021, you had Devontae Smith went 10th. Uh, Alex Jones went 15th. Alex Leatherwood or Mac Jones went 15, Alex Leatherwood went 17, Najee Harris went 24. Yeah. And then they had two more guys taken this past year. I mean, just the amount of top 10 picks, top 50 picks is just obviously it's unmatched. It's astounding to think all those guys were really on the same team. And and then to think that like they were lucky to win that game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I don't think they were actually ever actually winning that game until to or Through that that fateful Rainbow Pass, and then you know, um, you know, we can get into that Rose Bowl that Oklahoma and Georgia had. When you know, my theory is that if Oklahoma held, holds on to win that Rose Bowl, they match up better with Georgia than uh, with Alabama than Georgia did. They might yeah. even not even won that national championship, but with all that unbelievable talent on that team, yeah.
0: Hey, if you can you call up that 2014 Ohio State? Have you got that on that same list, sir? Yes. Right Let's see.
1: So you had 2014 Ohio State. You had. That year, it was uh, – a the, the 2015 draft was a small draft class. You had Delvin yes. Smith with 37, uh, Jeff Auerman, is that how you say his name? Yeah, Auerman, yeah. Yeah, uh, Dorian Grant went 121, then you had a couple guys go 180. And then it was that next draft that had Bosa at 3, Zeke at 4, Eli Apple at 10, Taylor Decker at 16, Darren Lee at 20, Michael Thomas at 47, Vaughn Bell, 61. Adolphus Washington, 80. Braxton Miller, 85. Nick Bennett, 94. Josh Perry, 102. I mean, it just went – Cardell Jones was the lowest guy drafted at 139. Crazy. the thing. top – close to the top half of that draft. I mean, hey, is,
0: Yeah. And just think if Cardell Jones had left after the national championship game, he might have been one of the top five players taken.
1: You know what I mean? The way you – know, in that 15 draft. is crazy. I know. It? I mean, obviously the, the, the juniors or the the, the sophomores on the carry that team in 2017. You had seven guys taken. You had Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, Garyon Conley, Curtis Samuel went 40. In 18, you had five more guys: Billy Price at 21, Tyquan Lewis at 64, and then 19, two more guys: Paris Campbell went 59th. and Terry McLaurin went 76. Yeah, crazy. Wow. Well, anyway, hey, real quick.
0: Uh... Before we go, uh, before I move on to the next thing, uh, uh, what did you think about? Did did do you think the draft? Like I, I always have guys on pre pre draft. Like I had Albert Breer on from Monday Morning Quarterback, and we talked about this. I brought it up. You know, it's funny after you get past the top two or three rounds, though, how teams have already zeroed in on who they're after. You know what I mean? And it's not. You know, the the draft doesn't. I think you agree with me. With this the draft doesn't necessarily reflect an exact top to bottom pick of the available talent. Agreed? I mean, because some teams just fall in love with a guy or fall out of love with a guy and take somebody else. But that is another factor. You kind of have to weigh into that, isn't it a little bit?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, once you get past the top hundred, I mean, there's a reason those guys are still there. Yeah. And so each team you're looking for, well, we need a tight end. Okay. Here's the tight ends available. This guy is not perfect in this direction. This guy's not perfect in this direction. So you know, are we going to take the guy that's coachable? It's maybe not as big and strong. Or are we going to take the guy that's bigger and stronger that didn't have the production? You know, it it it's certainly you know there's a lot of that aspect to it. And then once you get to the seventh round, you know, you kind of don't want to be drafted because at that point, you know, it, it, you're you have more options if you're an undrafted free agent. So the draft certainly isn't perfect, but it, it's the most perfect evaluation tool we have here for yeah. college football.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that about the seventh round. I always tell always tell players, I go. The only thing that's good for you that you got drafted in the seventh round, the one thing is that they did draft you, meaning, you know, they don't like – nobody likes to admit they make mistakes, just like in recruiting, you know what I mean? That's yeah. why the recruited guy always gets a little bit of more of an edge than the than the uh, the preferred walk-on, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, it is interesting. Hey, real quick, uh, before we move on, I want to throw this at you too. Have you ever heard of a wide receiver room or any other room, a uh, uh, position room, having a night like the 2020 – Ohio State wide receiver room had with uh, going in order, uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jameson Williams, who transferred obviously to Alabama for the 2021 season. They went in order, what was that, 9, What nine, 10, and 11, or 10, 11, and 12. I get them mixed up in my head. But that was crazy, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, I think the only – I mean, I guess you could put the the Georgia defensive line room, the guys they had, uh, led by Trayvon Walker going number one, and then you go back to that 2017 Ohio state team or the 2017 Alabama team, excuse me, the wide receivers that they had. Yeah. Rugs, Judy Smith. I mean, I, I, I love to, I think it'll be fun to compare the the success, the NFL success, those two groups had. And then I think, uh, you know, the, the at one time Alabama's uh, quarterback room had what Mac Jones Tua attack and, uh, and then Jalen Hurts as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, Jalen Hurts, yeah.
1: And then, exactly. uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's a ridiculous amount of talent as well. And then, you know, Oklahoma at one time had Baker Mayfield and, and uh, Kyler Murray, two guys in winter. So I, I, I certainly think that, that that Ohio State group belongs in that. I mean, clearly, I mean, I'm probably in the majority here when I say that Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best of those guys and he's still still in college. So, yeah just obscene amount of talent that Ohio State had.
0: And keep in mind a guy, you may have heard of his dad, Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr. Keep him in mind, and Emeka, Emeka Igbuka is going to be a star. I mean, you know, you saw him a little bit last year returning kicks and 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 then the Rose Bowl, they got their, as I said, they got their bonus spring game by, by getting to play those guys when uh, the two guys, Chris Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson, opted out of that game. But, yeah, it's crazy what Brian Hartline's put together. I think you agree with that, don't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba just about won that Rose Bowl by himself as much as one wide receiver can. But any catches he didn't make, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. was right there. I mean, I think, what do you have, like 180 yards? Like yeah. Not outstanding well, maybe, game. A couple of touchdowns. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not even close to leading a team in receiving yards. Yeah, it's crazy. Hey, uh, let's move on real quick
0: because we're in, we're, we're in the craziest time in in college football history, modern – ancient whatever you want to look at and like I told you I was looking on your timeline footballscoop.com and but basically on your uh, the Twitter timeline today and uh, like I said you know you guys you you, you guys ran a story about uh, Nebraska uh, about Scott Frost getting in trouble for using basically summing it up here Basically, using quality controls or or graduate assistants or uh, analysts to help coach, for one of another term, uh, you know, during during uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the NCAA looked into that, and obviously that's quote a no no end quote, you know, yeah. <laughs> if, if somebody's looking over your shoulder. Uh, but they got put on uh, probation for that. I think uh, Scott Frost even got a one year show cause penalty, if I'm not mistaken about that. You're five day uh, suspension. Yeah. And they're paying some other penalties, including some guys that have already missed some coaching time. Some guys who will miss, but on the same timeline, just a few clicks down the road is how the NCAA uh, is looking at relaxing or doing away with those kind of regulations on quality control coaches, uh, graduates, assistants, graduate assistants, which can not help coach by the way, but uh, analysts basically doing away with any
1: idea that they can't help coach. It's, It's a weird time we live in, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of that's kind of the perfect example of of what we're living in right now. That uh, the rule that Scott Frost in Nebraska got in trouble for six months from now, maybe even less than that, might not even be a rule anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like Kelvin Sampson got fired in Indiana for breaking a rule that's not a rule anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's changing, you know, incredibly fast and changing by the hour, and it just seems like. In, in particular, I think the the removing the non uh, the cap on countable coaches, obviously everybody fears uh, if they remove the rule January 1st, January 2nd, Nick Saban is going to have five different salaried offensive line coaches and they're all going to make a million dollars a year. And I guess if he does that, so be it. But, you know, we hear from so many coaches that are just burnt out, trying to, you know, looking for ways out of the business because what they're asked to do is just, you know, beyond what one person can do and and keep a a healthy functional life together. Yeah, I mean, with all the recruiting that has to be done, you know, changing, you know, opening up the spring recruiting, like they did a few years ago makes it makes recruiting more of a 12 month thing. The portals close to a 12 month thing, like these guys need help. And so to be able to let analysts coach on the field can lessen some of that load for, for your position coaches. And at the same time, you can hire guys who basically are just traveling salesmen for you and just recruit. You know, certainly if you're an assistant coach or something, you're going to be expected to go on the road. You're going to be expected to put in the hours, grinding the tape, you know, evaluating practice, evaluating your opponent. But this will at least lessen that, so that hopefully good people aren't leaving the business to go coach in the NFL or, or just leaving it entirely. You know, we we need to keep you know good men coaching. We need, it's an important job. So hopefully. You know, I'm sure it will get abused, but hopefully in the long run, it will keep more people in, in the in the profession. Zach, a couple of years ago, I said that the transfer portal is going to just change
0: everything about college football, about big time college sports. And then you add on top of that now the NIL, and now they, of course, the name, image, and likeness situation, which is almost running amok as we speak. It will maybe it'll find some balance, maybe it won't, but when you put those two together, this. On, like you were talking about with coaches, coaches not only have to recruit, but they have to re-recruit now, you know, and now, you know, used to be bag men, but now you've got legal guys putting together deals for for big time college football and uh, college basketball players. And, you know, a great example, that's what's going on at the University of Miami right now with the player who's basically threatening to leave unless he gets a better, <laughs> a better NIL deal, you know, from, from one of the guys down there that's kind of like, um, uh, handing out those kind of situations, almost like uh, – I'm not going to say candy, but it's almost close to that. But, yeah, wh- wh- where do you think this is
1: going, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm almost kind of surprised we didn't see more of that. That The situation with Miami basketball, I say Wong, and then you had Jordan Addison, the the pit receiver who, you know, looks like he's going to USC. I'm really surprised we didn't see more of that because at this point, you can you – know, we the, the deadline was Sunday night. If you're a an all-conference player, you know, you've got to have someone in here saying, hey, enter the portal. Your school's not going to – you're not going to lose your scholarship at your school. Just see who's out there, see what you can get, and then maybe your school matches it. You come back and you made yourself – who knows how much money or maybe someone else values you more. Go go play for Alabama and Georgia. Like, I'm really surprised, you know, we didn't see a uh, – you know, just imagine if Bryce Young had entered the portal yeah. last night. And so, well, uh, you know – you know, Michigan will pay me 5 million or you know, LSU will pay me this and a will pay me this. You know, I'm, I'm really surprised we didn't see something like that. Yeah. But uh, I think right now we're, we're just in the growing pains where of the era where players had no freedom at all. And then now, you know, I consider myself to be a player's advocate, but they, they've got too much freedom right now. And hey. so I think the yeah. the only way out of this from where I sit, uh, you know, certainly uh, Greg Sankey hasn't called me and asked for my advice but uh, the only way out of this I see is to just go all the way in the other direction and just fully professionalize it, sign them to contracts, guarantee them some money. Maybe you limit how much they can make or when they can access it and you limit their movement. You know, this is a three-year deal. You got to stay here all three years and then yeah. after that you're free or whatever. And then it, you got to get a player's union. And then at that point it's collectively bargained. And then at that group, at that problem, at that point, any gripes that players have is with their own union and not with the laws and this coach is mean to me or the ADs being mean to me or the you know the the governors I don't like the laws we've written. It's hey talk to your union at that point. But I I think we're getting there, but you know, there's so many people that aren't ready to have that conversation until then it's the Wild West. And by the way, uh
0: some you're touching on where well, you're talking about the the Miami basketball player, you know, that's holding out, so to speak. <laughs> uh uh I think the reason you didn't see a lot of that in, in – I don't think people didn't think of it. You know what I mean? I think yeah. that's coming. I mean, uh, it's funny you brought that up because that's exactly what I'm thinking. Next year about this time, I think it's going to be a real free-for-all from the standpoint of, well, you know, I can always go back to where I was, but my toe is in the water. Let's see what you got, you know. And don't you, that's got to happen, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, we we uh, the NCAA published some, some numbers last week that showed that entering the portal is if you're a rank and file player, it's really, it's a bad idea. It's right. Astounding number of guys, you know, that they found according to their numbers were still in the portal or they transferred their own scholarship somewhere and transferred somewhere else without a scholarship. So you you really got to know your worth. And, um, you know, a lot of guys don't find out what they really, what their coaches really think of them it until it's too late.
0: Yeah. Well, well, that's what it is it? That's what I said a while ago. You got to re-recruit the guys you've already got, but then, like you said, the reason they don't necessarily want to like turn the tap off totally is there. Obviously, players leave. You could say they're encouraged, or they're being told, "Hey, you know what, boy? It's just not working out here. You know, you maybe you ought to try the portal as opposed to just kicking a guy, you know, to the curb." I think a lot of that goes on. Obviously, as you look around some of the major programs, right? I mean, so. They don't necessarily want to lose the ability to do that and come out looking okay,
1: you know. Right. Yeah. You know, so and anybody that anybody that complains about the portal is at the same time doing the same thing that they complain about. Like uh, the offensive five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly, who was one of those late deciders, looked like everybody was going to go. You know, all the experts were predicting USC, and there was a late flip to Oregon. And everyone yeah. thinks, oh, he probably got an NIL deal. Well, then now USC turns around and does the same thing to Pitt with Jordan Addison. And then over the weekend, I had an FCS coach DM me saying, I don't feel sorry for Pitt. Their quarterback tried to uh, get our tight end, you know, yeah. last week. Like he he sent him a DM, tried to get him here. So anybody that's complaining about it, they're, they're probably telling the truth, but they're also probably not telling the whole truth.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial right now. But that's another, that's another story. Hey, last thing for you, man. Uh uh, is, is it amazing because you've kind of created this niche for yourself here with footballscoop.com, and, and uh it, it, is it amazing the interest that just keeps growing and i think it's like i said i think it's going to you're you're exporting a situation that's going to be that's even going to grow bigger for you with all the stuff all the news that's going on 24 7 now but did you envision this uh you know five or six eight, 10 years ago when you know when when you were first getting into this
1: well, yeah, I mean, uh, for me personally, I knew uh, from early on that I was a college football nerd without much talent elsewhere, so I better figure out a way to make a career in this, otherwise it's going to be a rough road for me. So I've been lucky so far, you know, <laughs> knock on wood. But, you know, when I started this job, you know, or people, family members asked me, like, oh, you're a college football writer. Yeah, so what do you write about the offseason? There is no off season. You know, there, there's times when games are going – and there's times when there's no games, but there's really no off season. I mean, we've been saying that for a long time, but I mean, it's even more so now, like, um, you know, we get slow moments here and there, but they're really just, they're really just moments. And I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not sitting here uh, complaining, like the the schedule, the amount of time that that coaches put into this stuff and putting their paychecks on the line with what happens, you know, every weekend, like, you know, a lot of people begrudge the money that, that college coaches make. I do not like those guys. Whatever they get paid, they earn.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's not just coming out of the trees. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, there are guys, there are guys down in the lesser divisions, uh, the uh, past the Power Five, that aren't making anywhere near the money. You know that those guys are. Hey, I wanted to run one other quick thing by you. It is amazing. I had uh, Eddie George on my podcast a few weeks ago. You know, celebrating basically his sec- his first full year as Tennessee State head coach. Uh, you see what Prime Coach Prime has done down at Jackson State, but there are more opportunities than ever for some college football players, right? To find, to find their paradise. Cause they, they really like that HBCU. They they like the opportunities the HBCU offers them. I'm talking about Eddie and uh, and Prime, but to have those kind of guys running those kind of programs, it's really interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I will have to say that the Dion story has been, you know, I've been doing this 10 years now. The Dion story has been probably one of the top three most interesting you know, stories I've covered in my time doing this. Like, you know, we were early on that. We knew uh, we had a Jackson State source tell us, you know, months before it initially happened that, hey, it looks like Dion's going to be our head coach. You know, of course, he was a cowboy. You know, I grew up with him, watching him on the Cowboys. And then, you know, he'd been in coaching, like, high school football. He had the Prime Prep Academy. Like, you know, that ended in disaster. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll follow this. And he'll be out of a job six games in, piss everybody off. And the guy has, I mean, proven everyone wrong at every turn. Like he's so far, I mean, he's he's done everything he said he was going to do. Like he yes. said he's going to fill uh, Jack you know, Veteran Memorial Stadium, and he's done that. Like he's built a team. He's I, they have the number one player in the country. They uh, won the SWAC. Like he's got other guys. You know, Eddie George coaching in the SWAC. Like. You know, we had a story John Bryce, wrote a story for us about uh, the opportunities that lower guys are getting to move up and you know take fellowships in the NFL because pe- more people are paying attention to SWAC football. Like he's totally rejuvenated, you know, HBCU football right now, and um, yeah, it, it's been just fascinating to watch. And I hope it continues, and yeah. I ho- certainly hope it has happened in because it's I mean it's great for the sport.
0: By the way, uh, I was going to correct one thing. I I think Tennessee State's in the Ohio Valley
1: Conference. Yeah, you know, I was going to – Yeah, but they have – Because I think it was Howard that uh, just moved to CAA. Like, I mean, that's the the Big Ten of the FCS.
0: But they have aspirations to get – to move up to division. I mean, FBS, you know, I mean, uh, you know, down the road. And I think, you know, we'll see interesting – be interesting to see where Prime goes with all this. But, uh, hey, Zach, Zach Barnett of uh, footballscoop.com – Ladies and gentlemen, it's not just a must-read every day. It's a must-read once an hour, right? Did I have that right? Exactly, yes. Uh, My wife would very much appreciate it if everyone read the site once an hour. Anybody wants to send a donation his way, do that, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Hey, Zach, appreciate you joining the Tim May Podcast, my man. Tim, thank you for having me. It was fun. And ladies and gentlemen, until next week, I'll see you then. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family